there, everybody. Welcome to the Memory Leak Podcast, the first episode of the Memory Leak Podcast, by the way. I am John Algets, or as you might know me on the internet, Bender Waffles. And this week, I'm joined by a good buddy of mine. It's Dragonite Spam. Uh, Dragonite, how you doing? Could be worse. Well, you know, that's what I like to hear. Could be worse. I could think of some ways to make it worse, but we won't get into that on episode <laughs> one. Ah, uh, fair enough. Uh, so this week we're going to be talking about sort of like the battle of the newbie engines. There are a at least two engines that most people will start out with when they're first getting into game development. And that tends to be either RPG Maker, which I mean, come on, you knew I was going to talk about that, or uh, Game Maker Studio. So those are the two that we're going to look at. We'll also take a look at a few other ones. Uh, so stick around here as we hop into that right about now. All right, so let's start this episode off with the one that, as I said, you knew that I was going to talk about the one that I'm probably most associated with at this point, and that would be RPG Maker, the JRPG-focused game development toolkit, uh, Dragonite, how much experience do you have with RPG Maker? I've uh, I've spent a lot of time noodling around in Pokemon Essentials, which I think it's safe to say a lot of people who have used RPG Maker have done at some point or another. And I've also done a decent amount of uh, playing with uh, MV, the mo- the more, I can't say most recent version anymore because MZ came out a few months ago. Yeah. I've spent a decent amount of time playing around with MV and um, seeing how it sort of overhauled its scripting system to use uh, JavaScript and basically a, a web page in a Chromium window instead of um, Ruby game scripting system. Yeah, the the older versions using Ruby, I felt like definitely hindered sort of the flexibility of the engine to a certain degree, because who the hell knows how to program in Ruby these days? It's pretty neat. I can't be too mean to Ruby because I do actually know a few people who like it, but I just, it is not my favorite language to use. Yeah, it's not great. It has a lot of weird ways of doing things that are kind of more standardized than a lot of other languages. Yeah, that, that sort of brings us to, to one sort of, I guess, pro of RPG Maker. Well, I mean, okay, maybe not a pro. It's it's much more of a con. Is that RPG Maker is, it's a super simple piece of software, but with that simplicity comes some pretty heavy limiting uh, unless you're willing to like really dive into Java or really dive into like messing with the Chromium window, you're basically only going to be making traditional JRPGs. So like something like from Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy or something of that nature. Uh, although I have seen people using plugins to turn it into like platformers, a really popular one that's floating around right now is, uh, uh, 3d RPGs. Are, you're starting to see more of that. I saw someone made a plugin for RPG Maker uh, somewhat recently that was basically turned the 2D map editor into a, an actual 3D level, and that was interesting. I want to look into how that was done one of these days. Yeah, that's one that I kind of want to play with. Like, I really want to do like a speed development within that plugin suite and try to see, like, you know, try to adjust to what the plugin needs to be able to do stuff with that, and uh, could be fun to. The play example with. I saw didn't look amazing but the fact that someone did it at all is is pretty interesting and i i have to wonder how much farther that people have gone with it in the in the months since i saw it well and i know in like older versions of it's kind of funny we were crapping on ruby just a second ago but in the older versions when it was in ruby i have seen people do like 
completely amazing things with plugins. Like, I think one time I saw somebody do a first-person shooter with an RPG maker using plugins. Yeah, which I'm like, at that point, I'm just like, there are significantly easier ways to do this, guys. Outside of doing really complex plugin stuff, which if you're a, a brand new developer, you don't have any experience doing any sort of coding or really messing with plugins or anything, you aren't going to be doing all that. Uh, so you're going to be limited to working within you know, the classic JRPG structure. But it, that's a pro because you know, the program is able to be super simple because it's so limited in terms of genre. I I always say that RPG Maker is one of these sort of pieces of software where it is completely possible for you to create a game from beginning to end without really having to do any programming. Like you do have to work within RPG Maker's event editor, but whether or not we consider that coding is kind of a a stretch because it's very point and click. There is a coding language to it that you can see, but you don't have to really understand it. It's just, it's really, really easy to use. Now, is that necessarily the best thing on the planet? Up for debate. It's been around for a long time, and yet the internet still loves to argue about whether or not visual scripting counts as programming or not. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I feel like that is going to be an argument that is going to be around for decades and decades to come like we're going to be arguing about this stuff in like 2050 about whether or not visual programming counts as programming and i don't necessarily fall on either side of that argument personally as someone who doesn't do too much programming myself i appreciate visual programming tools i'm much more of a visual kind of guy anyways you know mapping and art and that sort of stuff is what i tend to focus on so anything that can help out my you know smooth brain would be great i count following a cooking recipe to be basically programming so i think that tells you which side of the argument i land on you could make an argument that it's you know kind of similar or writing a cooking recipe anyway following it is more like the computer following the algorithm but yeah this is not a uh, this is not a cooking podcast yet anyway i mean give it time it might become that it's only the first episode so john you want to talk about breakfast foods Oh yeah, dude, waffles all the way. Mm. Like, like I don't know if I can keep being on this podcast. This is this is for those of you who are listening who might not know what's going on. This is a uh, uh, a constant battle between me and Dragonite on the Discord. Uh, this heathen thinks that pancakes are an acceptable breakfast food, which let's face it, it's acceptable if you're lazy. I mean, yeah. Just take that pancake batter and throw it into a waffle iron, and you will have a vastly superior breakfast food. Just in case anybody thinks we're actually mad at each other, I don't care either way. I just like pushing John's buttons. Yeah, and besides, I I I much prefer French toast to either pancakes or waffles. Uh, so one more thing about uh, RPG Maker that is a major pro is the fact that because it's such a popular program, there are a ton of outside resources for it. Everything from you know tutorials, which I mean. That's kind of my bag all the way to, you know, you can find sprites that work for it, tile sets, music packs, battlers, all kinds of different things. If there is something that you need for RPG maker, if you are not artistically inclined, odds are someone somewhere has made it for use within RPG maker. You just got to do a Google search and you'll find it. Do they still do that thing where um, the company that makes RPG maker Enderbrain will sort of absorb resource packs that people have made and sell them as like micro dlc yeah they do that they still do that uh 
it it happened to it happened at least once to uh buddy of the of the channel the unpro pro he had a a tile set pack that's like game boy styled um, oh really that that they went to him and was like hey do you want to sell that as dlc and so he gets a cut of it when it sells but it's official dlc that you can get on like steam i've never used any but i imagine that is a good thing for everyone involved the uh, the creator gets possibly a bigger audience for their stuff and the people using the program have more have easy or access to graphical resources that aren't included with the main program yeah you're not going to be making enough money to like like you're not buying a house off of how much that it sells but you know as i as i like to refer to it it's a pizza and beer side hustle oh certainly and that it'll it'll pay for your pizza and beer if you're old enough to drink there's just a, a greater chance that more people will see it than if you just threw it on your website or something like that. Yeah, which I think in the case of the Unpro Pro with his thing, he was like, yeah, I was just going to sell it on itch.io. And it was up there for a little bit. And then they were just like, hey, let's make this official. Let's put a ring on it, as it were. And uh, speaking of making things official, this is actually the furthest from making official. So it's a bad segue. Earlier on, you had mentioned Pokemon Essentials. Ah, uh, yes, very official. Oh uh, yeah, super official. It it hasn't at all been shut down by a cease and desist before. Pokemon Essentials, for those of you who are not aware of what it is, is a plugin suite for RPG Maker XP that allows you to make Pokemon fan games. Uh, it is if you see a Pokemon fan game online, like I can guarantee you, like ninety nine percent of the time, it was made using Pokemon Essentials. That plugin suite alone has probably sold more copies of rpg maker xp than any other like marketing push that the company could have made for that software i know that i have rpg maker xp almost exclusively for pokemon essentials uh because there's not really a ton of a reason to use xp otherwise when there's newer versions of the software uh unless you're one of those people who likes the older versions in which case you do you boo boo uh pokemon essentials you know, it's th there's this like legal gray area around it, obviously, but it is, you know, it is something that if you're at all interested in making a Pokemon game, you kind of have to go with RPG Maker just because that's a thing that exists. I do know, funny you say that, but I do know of at least three other uh, tool sets for making Pokemon fan games, and two of them just use Ruby, and I don't know why, uh, because both of the people that work on them and maintain them know many other programming languages, and it's a little weird that they chose Ruby. And one of them, uh, the Unity version, I don't think has been updated in like four years now. Yeah, that's the thing is that there are other ones, but it seems like either they're they're abandoned, so you're not going to really be able to find any support for them, or they are not nearly as fleshed out or far along as Pokemon Essentials. So it just seems like that's like the sort of the natural starting point if you're just getting into this. It's also sort of the like consolidation problem of social media and that most people use essentials so that's where all the people who can offer help are going to be so that's where all the people who are getting started are going to go yeah it's it's also the one that has you know it has the most tutorials it has the most you know everything is for the most part formatted properly for pokemon essentials but yeah i i would say you know if you are an absolute beginner to game development and you want to make either a Pokemon game or just like a traditional JRPG, RPG Maker is a, a great place to go. Otherwise, if you want to make something other than an RPG, maybe not the best place. Although as an interesting little side note, I guess, uh, probably 
one of the most popular RPG Maker games in like the history of RPG Maker games, To the Moon, is basically a visual novel in RPG Maker format. Yeah, if you're willing to like kind of play with it a little bit and sort of like do things a little bit differently, you can create you know, visual novels is definitely like a great example. It has a full conversation system and everything built in. And it's just, um, I forget the name of the guy who made it, but he basically decided to just lead on that instead of the combat mechanics. Yeah, it's a lot of like uh, if then statements basically within the eventing. Uh, it is a really well made game and I highly recommend anyone with any sort of, if you just have interest in gaming in general, To the Moon is is fun to play because it's a fantastic story that really uh, pulls at the heartstrings as it were. Especially if you're interested in, you know, RPG Maker, you should play it just to see what's possible within the software. But that being said, your your average person who is just getting started might not necessarily think to do that. Either way, RPG Maker is a is a is a pretty good starting point if you are very specific about what it is that you want to start with. Although it's also just a great place to learn basic game design concepts. Yeah, that's the other thing that I'm glad you've reminded me of, because I like to say this to anyone who is willing to listen, and I just forgot today, is that if you can focus on game design rather than the technology and having to write the code and everything, it's a lot easier to get started than, especially if you've never seen programming or anything before, than if you had to start writing everything from the ground up, which is what RPG Maker does excel at. Yeah, I would say that, like, if you if you know absolutely nothing, start with RPG Maker to be able to learn, you know, the idea of, like, game balance and game pacing and all this sort of stuff. Basi- the basic, like, general design overviews, the stuff that isn't necessarily involved with development, because it is worth pointing out that game design and game development are kind of different. Uh, design referring to the actual, you know, design of it. The high-level stuff. Yeah, development refers to the actual getting in there on, like, the code and, you know, the sprite work and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so learning the learning the principles of game design is a lot easier with an RPG Maker than probably any other sort of beginner software suite. All right, so the other, like great starting point that I tend to find that people use is Game Maker, specifically Game Maker Studio. Um, I know there is, we were, we talked about this a little bit. There is like a group of people who use the pre-studio versions of Game Maker still, but for the most part, newbies aren't going to be. I would probably venture a guess. Judging by what I see on the Game Maker Discord and Reddit and um forms and that sort of thing by this point in time most people have finally started to update to game maker studio 2 and i've realized that for people who aren't familiar with the numbering system in game maker this is going to sound a little bit weird but for a while there were still a lot of people using like game maker 8 yeah which is i want to say almost 10 years old at this point yeah it's probably close i mean i will say that i just upgraded from like literally like Earlier this week, I finally upgraded from Game Maker Studio 1 to Studio 2. So I guess I'm not as Stone Age as th- those people are, but still pretty uh, pretty far behind. But Game Maker is a, a much more flexible piece of software because it is, you know, you're not limited to one specific genre. Uh, so it's if you're somebody who you want to get into the weeds with things and you really want to dive into the development side of things, Game Maker is a good place to go. 
this is actually a piece of software that I used. It wasn't the first game maker thing that I used. Um, the first game design software that I used was a program called Click and Play, which isn't a thing anymore. Oh, um, I've never used that, but I know a few people who have. Yeah, that's where I started, and then uh, I moved on to Game Maker. I think I started with Game Maker 4.2, I think was the version that I started with. And here I feel old saying I started with 8.0. <laughs> well, Not I anymore. I started with 4.2. And then I think I used it all the way up until I think I stopped right around the time that Yo-Yo Games acquired Game Maker, which I think was Game Maker 7. I forget exactly, but I think it was somewhere around the 2010 period in time, I think. Something like that. But I, I stopped like right before they started working on it, mainly because it became a fully monetized piece of software at that point. Because before it was like you could... You could use the base software, but if you wanted to use like outside scripting, you'd have to pay for it. And in my earlier years, I didn't care to do that. So I never paid for it. Um, and even then, if you were going to pay for it, it costs like 20, 30 bucks. Uh, whereas nowadays, Game Maker Studio 2 costs 90 bucks. The standard edition is, I think, $100. And then they have like mobile or other software exports for other uh, other prices. Yeah, including ones that, like, when you pay for it, you only get access to it for a year, such as, I think, like, Xbox One and PS4, and I think Switch exports. Yeah, the console exports are a yearly license, although for what it's worth, if you've made a game that's gotten to that point, you probably aren't going to be completely prohibited from producing anything for a yearly license for the... Yeah, at that console point, exports. when you're at the point where you're ready to release a console version of your game on Game Maker Studio, you've probably done all the development and you just buy the license just to be able to do the export. So your your time limit on that is not like really that big of a deal. And plus, at that point, you're probably actually going to be making money, theoretically, with what you're doing. So have at it. Uh, but yeah, so Game Maker Studio, as I said, it is a piece of software that does cost a chunk of money if you're just doing development for the pc it doesn't cost that much more than the most recent versions of rpg maker because those are floating at around 80 bucks yeah i was gonna ask what uh, rpg maker is nowadays i think i got well i got mine on sale because rpg maker goes on sale all the freaking time but i think yeah. The, yeah, the normal price is about 75 or 80 yeah it's about 75 or 80 bucks but it yeah as you pointed out it is worth noting that at least on steam they have a tendency to go on sale quite often and also on top of that humble bundle will like at least once or twice a year has a bundle that one of the versions of rpg maker is available in uh so if you keep your eye out you can usually get uh rpg maker for a reduced price game maker it happens every once in a while but not very much um usually you can count on game maker going on sale on black friday at least one other time a year, such as the most recent one was the Steam uh, Lunar New Year sale, and sometimes more often than that. But even then, it's not like a drastic drop in price. Like, you're probably not getting Game Maker Studio 2 for like 20 bucks. Like, it isn't, you're probably not going to get it down that The low. usual discount is about 30%. Yeah, so... 25 to 30. You know, but if you're serious about learning development and things of that nature, 100 bucks really isn't that bad. 
Unfortunately, it is a bit of a like cursed problem that Game Maker has where it's targeted at beginners and yet a hundred dollar price tag up front is a bit of a steep ask. Yeah, I know that and especially because it's worth pointing out that a lot of like newbie developers and designers are they tend to be on the younger side. And so finding a way to get together a hundred bucks is a bit of a challenge. I know that when I started doing game development stuff, I was actually eight years old when I first started. And when I was eight, if you had asked me to get together a hundred bucks, I think I probably would have just curled up into the fetal position and cried. Like, I just don't think it was feasibly possible at eight years old for me. Probably. Uh, But you know, it's worth it. I would argue. Cause once you get in there, you can do pretty much whatever you want within game maker, especially within the newer versions. Back in the day, I remember trying to do any sort of 3D work within Game Maker <laughs> was like mind blowing. Like I remember, I remember one time booting up. Somebody had developed a engine within Game Maker to do like basic poly work, and the like. It literally was like it looked like something out of like nineteen like ninety two. It was like single colored. Uh, polygons and it was like real low poly so like characters were I think characters were like five or six polygons Um, the cylinder with the sphere on top for the head yeah pretty much and this was like mind blowing back in the day like I remember I remember I used that engine to make uh, a small game but just like it took forever to do and it was not impressive in the slightest but nowadays Game Maker Studio is generating some like actually Pretty awesome looking 3D work. I'm pleased to report that the sort of the baseline 3D uh, capabilities now look like something from about 2001 rather than 1992. Yeah, you can you can make like a Doom clone in it pretty pretty easily. Um, I remember when I was in community college way back in the ancient days of 2008 and 2009. Uh, I took a game design class, and for the final project, we had to make a game. And I made a Doom clone. So it is something that that you can do, which is pretty exciting. That being said, Game Maker has always sort of been much more focused on 2D game design and development. It's capable of doing 3D work, but let's face it, you're probably doing some some form of 2D. When John says you're probably doing some form of 2D work, I mean, I've been doing 3D almost exclusively in Game Maker for about four years now. Yeah, again, as I said, it's possible. But it's not the majority of stuff that's being done in it is not 3D. It's very interesting if you're like noodling around with basically OpenGL or at least what OpenGL looked like in like 2011. Yeah, it's probably not what you want to do. Probably not. No, you're you're probably using Game Maker Studio to develop like you know a Mario esque platformer or uh, you know a maze game or a shoot 'em up or something like that. That tends to be what people are excelling. At while using Game Maker Studio, I guess if we're going to get back to comparing it to uh, RPG Maker, it's much Game Maker is much better for action-oriented games rather than things that happen in a menu. Yeah, uh, people have you know obviously as I said, people have done that. Um, I think that is it Sean Spaulding that has an entire tutorial series on how to make an RPG within Game Maker Studio. Yeah, but that's RPG in the sense that like Zelda: Link to the Past. Yeah, it's more of it's more of like an action RPG. I did like that. Uh, it's RPG is a weird label slash genre slash subgenre in video games and it's often 
easier to explain a game without saying the word RPG. Yeah, the point is that you can make pretty much whatever you want within Game Maker Studio, but it tends to like be a little bit easier for more action-oriented things, especially if you're using the uh, visual programming within Game Maker Studio, because there's actually like two ways that you can work within Game Maker. You can either, you can use their like point and click interface to kind of define actions within an object. And then they have their actually fully fleshed out scripting language, Game Maker language or GML, which you ask anybody who who is like real serious about working within Game Maker, they're probably going to tell you that you need to dive into GML. Uh, but it, it is possible for you to use the, the visual language if you want to. Getting back to the visual scripting thing from earlier, I would say using, using actual code is going to make your life a lot easier because you can usually type faster than you can click and drag blocks around. And also you can do things like copy and paste and whatever and search and replace and, and all those good things. But if you are one who can make a game just using visual scripting, then good for you. Unreal Engine, of all things, has a visual scripting system, and some people use it exclusively, and the things that they do with it are, like, completely mind-blowing. Yeah, but I would say that, at least in my experience within Game Maker, which admittedly, as I said, I just upgraded to 2 just recently, so I haven't dove into it as much as I can. But at least in previous versions, the visual scripting stuff wasn't as easy to work with. I like to use the term, it got in the way of itself, whereas... In, in Game Maker Studio 2, it's still not as easy to use as code, but at least you can see the logical flow a lot easier. Yeah. So if you're if you're somebody who's, you know, like deathly allergic to programming, Game Maker is still an option, but you might want to get over your prejudice against actually writing code because uh, you'll get a little bit further, I feel. And plus, on top of that, you just feel cool whenever you write code. At least I do. And if you write code, you can also do cool 3D things in Game Maker. Yeah, or make like, you know, ducks that are also wizards, you know, stuff like that. All right, so to kind of bring this discussion to a head, I figured we might as well touch upon some of the other options that people could go with if they're just learning how to develop uh, that may not necessarily be as popular an option among newbies as RPG Maker or Game Maker Studio. But I feel like if we didn't bring them up, the comment section would be a war zone. So particularly the last one on this list. Yeah. So we got to at least talk about some of these and let's start off with the, like the big names, which are unity and unreal. These are like actual, like triple a level game engines. But with that comes an almost exponentially greater amount of complexity. So, okay. Unity versus unreal. This is, this is the battle that you're going to see the most. Because they're both, you know, 3D engines. They're both used in AAA development. I feel like Unreal is more used for AAA. Unity is kind of used in the indie scene a little bit more. I would say, well, they both get used for AAA. I would say Unity is a lot more seen in like the AA space where it's a team of maybe like 10 to 15 people rather than 50 to 500 people. Yeah, you're you're more likely to see games like Phasmophobia, for instance. That was a Unity project that um that's kind of your 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 
I would feel the baseline example of like what's being done in Unity is stuff like that. Whereas Unreal is, I mean, it's the Unreal Engine. It's like you know famous and has been around for in some variation since you know the late '90s, early 2000s. It was the quote unquote quake killer back in the day. You know, Unreal is is you know you're seeing your Uncharted were made using the Unreal Engine. Uh, I'm trying to think of other games that were made. Life of Strange. I think all of the Life of Strange games. Yeah, um, they're all Unreal Engine. You're more likely to see AAA pro, uh, releases out of Unreal because um, it is a little bit more. Even some a, things that you wouldn't have historically thought were Unreal games, such as like there's first or third person shooters are using it now. I think um, either the Final Fantasy VII Remake or Fifteen. I don't think they both use Unreal. Uh, seven, um, seven Remake used Unreal. Seven, seven is the one that does. Yeah. So yeah, um, big the big game names. that I have been obsessing over for about three weeks now, Bravely Default Two, is also uh, running on Unreal Engine. Really, I There's, didn't know that was Unreal. Yeah. Hmm. Point is, it's it's big, it's popular, it's like a a huge name within game development, and if you don't know, it is free for you to use. Now there is like a uh, a royalty licensing situation if you decide you're gonna sell your game but if you're just like producing something and then releasing it online for free it's total you're totally kosher to use unreal to do that which is cool it's it's one of the one of the things that epic has done recently that i am actually in full support of uh we won't get into their Fortnite situation but point is uh unity and unreal are options that you can go with i i would not recommend newbies try to dive into those two though i think they both have similar monetization systems they're both free to use uh including monetization up to a certain point but if you make more than i think like a hundred thousand dollars you need to give them money which is reasonable because if you make a hundred thousand dollars on something you should probably start thinking about paying the people who make your tools but yeah they are they are complex would be putting it lightly like for instance in unity's case you need to know i think it's c sharp is it C sharp? Yeah, Unity uses C sharp. Unreal uses C plus plus and or their Visual Scripting system, which basically transpiles into C plus plus. Yeah, but basically, like this is these two software packages, they're the big time. Like if you're working with them, you are you are doing development as the professionals do it. So maybe newbies jumping into these right away, not the best course of action unreal is sort of infamous for having a massive learning curve although i think in recent days they're trying to like get that under control unity has a reputation for being like a million different tools cobbled together in a way that's kind of awkward and occasionally gets in the way of itself Uh, for a long time i would tell people that my biggest complaint with unity was that whenever something wasn't working i had to google how to make unity stop doing a thing uh, as opposed to in most other tools where I would have to Google, have to Google how to make the game engine do a thing. Yeah. Which got very annoying. But I've also heard in maybe the last year or so, Unity has tried to temper that a little and they've sort of eased up on the new features until they are working and playing nicely with the rest of the engine. It can be a bit of a mess. But if you can get kind of, if you can sort of wrangle the beast that is Unity, it's a very powerful tool set. You just have to, you know have patience i guess if you want to do 3d work and you want to do fancy stuff i guess unity and unreal are like really your only options uh there are there are other obviously 3d tool sets out there uh on our list we have um 
FP, FPS Creator, which is actually defunct. It's it's no longer being developed, but it's been replaced by Game Guru, which is basically the exact same tool. They say that you're not limited to FPSs with it, but that being said... From what I've seen, it pushes you strongly in that direction. Yeah, like, I've used that that software. That's one that I've, I've put in a pretty good chunk of time, and I'll be honest with you, I would be hard-pressed to tell you how to make, like, a third-person game with it. Like, it is very much still, like, FPS-focused. Now, if that's what you want to do, and you're a, a complete newbie, that might be a good place to start. Very much like the way RPG Maker is kind of the go-to for Dragon Quest fan games. Yeah, that's an option for you to dive into. They have a new version of Game Guru coming out that they're working on. It's called, like, Game Guru Max or whatever. That might be something to keep an eye on. Uh, Game Guru, the benefit of that is that the base price is only 20 bucks. So... That might be like that's a good another one that option. has a bunch of like DLC game asset. Yeah, for instance, the things, uh, doesn't it the quote unquote unlimited bundle that gives you all the at least I'm pretty sure it gives you all the currently released DLC for it is um, three hundred and eighty five dollars regular price. Sounds about right. So you know, there's a lot of options for you to dive in, but there's also a lot of stuff out there just in the wild that you can use uh, with Game Guru. It's a little bit more flexible in what it can use. You can import whatever you want. Uh, the other 3D engine that uh, I have listed is Smile Game Builder, which is a really dumb name for what is effectively RPG Maker, but 3D. Uh, in fact, I am fairly certain it's made by the same people. It looks the same. I, for whatever reason, the website doesn't say the company that makes it. Let me check Steam. No, nope, it's made by someone else. According to Steam, it's smileboom.co.com limited but yeah it's like it's very similar dlc structure and stuff so it wouldn't surprise me if it actually is the same people it's 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 a good piece of software it's a little bit more complicated than rpg maker because again you're working within a third dimension but it's still fairly easy to use that being said it doesn't seem to have nearly the same sort of outside support um, you're not going to find the same tutorials. You're not going to find the same resources for it as maybe other pieces of software because it's not as well known. Maybe someday I'll I'll learn it and do a tutorial series. But I was just going to say maybe if I ever get bored of making videos on Game Maker, I can do that. That's uh, I did it buy looks... it for that purpose because I actually own this one. Um, and I have it looks uh, charming enough. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Uh, I've I. After playing around with it a little bit for myself, what I really wanted to do with it was um, I kind of wanted to do like a classic like Ultima style dungeon crawler. Mm -hmm. I thought could be kind of fun to do and kind of not that difficult. Maybe someday I'll do that. But I'm clicking through the screenshots and it looks like it, it doesn't try to do too much. And it, much like RPG Maker, it knows exactly what it's trying to be. Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty simplistic. But, you know, sometimes when you're just starting, as we said during the RPG Maker section, sometimes simplistic on the development side is good so that you can just learn the, the concepts on the design side. Speaking of, speaking of simple, we also have a piece of software called Click Team Fusion, which, fun fact, so I started with Click and Play. That was the, the piece of software that I started. Click and Play was taken and sort of became click team fusion did it? i thought click team fusion came from a uh, multimedia fusion well click and play became multimedia fusion and then click team fusion came from that it's the like genealogy of game engines yeah, is there's, fascinating there's a lineage there that you could follow but click team fusion is um 
it's it's sort of this it's sort of weird in that you can make some pretty high quality stuff with it, but I don't feel like it's that easy to get to that point. The difference between like the stuff that's on the the Steam page for it or whatever, or their other promotional material, and like Five Nights at Freddy's is kind of like dramatic. Yeah, as I as I say in the notes for this episode, if it's good enough for Scott Cawthon, it's probably good enough for you. Because yes, that was the piece of software that was used to make, at the very least, I think the first three Five Nights at Freddy's, maybe the first four, were made using Click Team Fusion, which is actually kind of funny because you can, if you own Five Nights at Freddy's for the longest time, you could open Five Nights at Freddy's in Click Team Fusion, and the, like uh, actually, game files were not obfuscated or anything. Yeah, you could actually like look at how it was made, which is kind of funny. I think that now it's been updated and you can't do that anymore. But I do remember for a while that was something that you could actually do. If that's still a thing that you can do, that might actually be a cool way to learn. Click Team Fusion is kind of just reverse engineer Five Nights at Freddy's. But Five Nights at Freddy's is, is its own tutorial on how to make Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, I haven't used the program much in the last probably 10 years. So I can't really speak too much to it personally. Uh, speaking of other pieces of game making software that I haven't used, uh, Pixel Game Maker, which I'm 95% sure that's made by the RPG Maker people. It is. And I have a story to tell about Pixel Game Maker. A good one or a bad one? Uh, good. Well, I'll find out. Kind of. So I was actually sent Pixel Game Maker for free. They actually reached out to me and was like, Hey, do you want a license for Pixel Game Maker? And I was like, sure, I'll make some videos of it. And I booted it up, took took like 10 minutes to poke around the program, and then just went, I don't have time for this, and closed it out. And I haven't touched it since. So That was anticlimactic. So uh, to the people at the marketing department for the company, I'm sorry. Thanks for the free product. I'm sorry I haven't done anything with it. Here's your shout out. Pixel Game Maker. Use it. Maybe. I don't know. Do whatever you want. Uh, it is, I will say that, it's, it's made by the same people as RPG Maker. Again, I'm like 99.99% positive on that one. Uh, that's why it's called Pixel Game Maker MV, because it's, it's in the same kind of like line. Ah, uh, yeah. It's at least published by the same people. It is basically RPG Maker, but it allows you to do other genres. It is more complicated than RPG Maker. Far more complicated, actually. But... Most I, game engines are. I almost feel like it is a good next step from RPG Maker. Like, if you're somebody who's been using RPG Maker and you want to move on to something that is more flexible, maybe Pixel Game Maker is the next logical step for you. Uh, and then we also have uh, Godot or Godot. Godot. However you pronounce it. Honestly, I know nothing about that piece of software. Oh, I have some thoughts on this one. Not on the engine itself, but... Hit me with it. Um, people who use Godot are very adamant about using Godot. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised you have not encountered this in, in your uh, game dev travels. Uh, I The only thing that I've heard about it is that I know that it's it's free to use outside of that. Yeah, it's, op it's open source, uh, which, as you can imagine, attracts a certain type of user base. Um, I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna. The engine say itself anything. is fine. Negative hmm? about it. I ain't gonna say anything negative about open source type people, but there is. Oh. There is something to be said about the kind of people who at least are diehard about using, uh, open source software. That being said, it looks like a pretty you know flexible 
piece of software. Yeah, I, I found I've messed around with it a little bit. The engine itself is fine. It's I, I guess the fancy word to use would be node based, which is slightly different from the like component system that um, things like Unity or Unreal would do. And from what I've seen, you can you can do a good amount of stuff with it. Yeah, like looking through like some of the screenshots and stuff, it seems like 3D is a much more uh, viable thing to do within Godot than something maybe like Game Maker. I don't know. As I said, I haven't used it, so it's not really something that I can speak to. The um, I remember a long time ago, the scripting language it used to do was kind of its own version of Python, except even weirder than Python, but I think now they use C Sharp. Either way, it might be something that is worth checking out if you're, you know, if you're willing to try something that's, you know, free. Usually, um, usually free, uh, free software comes with major downsides. Uh, I don't know if Go if Godot has any major downsides. It probably does. It seems to be a bit more complicated. Do be warned that like the features that they say are going to be added typically take years longer to actually get added than people say they will. I mean, it's a, like it's, they were talking about dropping GD script in favor of C sharp for a long time. And I think they only actually did it like recently. So do not expect like quarterly, monthly updates from this, the way that you would get from game maker or unity or unreal engine. It's, it's free software. So you get what you pay for. It's open source and it comes with all the usual problems. that open source software comes from. There's there's other software out there that I'm not even going to really like give too much time to. You've got stuff like App Game Kit from the same people that uh, Game Guru or App Kit Game or whatever that software is called. Uh, Construct is something that you brought up in the notes that I'm not going to lie. I am fairly certain was abandoned, but might not be. Construct 3 is apparently still being maintained. Really? I have a friend who uses it and refuses to use anything else and he's fine with it i mean it's um as far as i know it's only visual scripting it does not have a programming backend unless it does maybe construct 3 does since that runs on the web you might just be able to access the javascript yeah i feel like that's the kind of thing where i feel like you would probably you'd probably be able to get in there with the javascript or html or whatever it uses as a backend um, but the point is there's a lot of different options out there. We managed to hit upon, I feel like kind of the most common ones that you're going to run into. Uh, but just, you know, keep an eye out. I guess if you want to sort of follow news and happenings in like game engine development, there's a YouTube channel called games from scratch who covers a lot of them, including a lot of engines that a lot of people have never heard of. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great resource to check out. All right, so now that we have talked about, you know, all the major pieces of software, uh, I guess all there really is is let's give our final thoughts on this. Dragonite, what's kind of your TLDR thoughts on which software newbies should kind of be paying the most attention to? I would say if you want to make yourself something that looks like an like Final Fantasy 1 through 6 or a Dragon Quest game or something like that go with uh, RPG Maker because that's what it that's the very specific task that it's good at if you want to make a turn-based battle system that is something that doesn't look like that you can still try it but you're kind of in open waters and you might not find as much help uh, from the engine itself and you might have to do a lot more work if you want to make a general like action game, uh, as I've stated several times now, our game maker is good at those for 2D. And if you are interested in 3D, it's probably not 
the easiest thing to get started with 3D if you're just starting out making games, but uh, Unity is uh, a solid choice. Yeah, I feel like that pretty much that pretty much sums it up. Like, if you're looking for very specific things, each of these tools is going to be able to do different things for you. You just kind of have to you have to dig deep and think to yourself about what it is that you want to achieve and find the tool that is going to best help you do that. So with all that being said, there's only really one thing left to do. Uh, Dragonite, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on YouTube doing all the things I just said you shouldn't do in Game Maker. <laughs> a lot of 3D stuff, a lot of shader work and things of that nature over on his channel. Uh, you can also find him on Twitter. It's at uh, Dragonite Spam, correct? Yes. Yes. So go ahead, follow him. Jump over to his YouTube channel, subscribe. Uh, you get to watch a whole bunch of like game maker tutorials for stuff that you probably shouldn't be doing in game maker or like let's plays of games that are like ridiculously too long. If it doesn't go on for a hundred episodes, I'm not interested. <laughs> so if that's your, your, your bag, if you really want to watch, uh, uh, what was the one that you, that you did? Did you do, uh, Xenoblade? Yeah, I did Xenoblade a while ago. Still mad that never got to a hundred episodes. Uh, Bravely Default 2 is my current. I'm going to be spending the rest of the year on this project. Jesus Christ. Uh, anyways, jump over there. Watch those. You can also find Dragonite hanging out in my Discord. Uh, he's one of the mods for my channel. So if you... I spend jump... like 60% of the time arguing about pancakes. Yeah, it is kind of a, a reoccurring issue. Um, so if you're going to jump down onto my Discord, you'll see him there. And speaking of stuff that I do, of course, obviously, there's this YouTube channel that this podcast is going up on. Uh, so be sure to subscribe to it. It's Bender Waffles on YouTube. Or if you're listening on one of John, the other... you have a YouTube channel? Right? I know. It's not like I harp about it constantly. Um this this podcast is also going up on a multitude of different audio platforms. So be sure to go and check those out. Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, all that sort of stuff. It's going up all, all on all that sort of stuff. So no matter how you want to hear about game development and gaming, you've got options out there. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. I am at BenderWaffles, B-E-N-D-E-R-W-A-F-F-L-E-S. Uh, go over there for hot takes about, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League or other stuff. I tend to I tend to tweet about movies a lot more than I do games. Maybe it's because of what my day job is. Um, but yeah, so go ahead, check us out. We will be back next time. I'm pretty sure the next episode, we're going to be talking about horror games with my good buddy, Esh. So uh, be sure to check that out when it comes out next week. Until then, guys and gals, I hope you have a good one. And uh, Dragonite, thanks for coming on. It's been fun. With that all being said, catch you later.